Hello everyone, we will start in a minute. Tatiana, I invited you to speak. If you just unmute yourself to just test the audio. Okay, can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah, I can. Oh, great. Hello. Hi, how are <laughs> okay. you? I'm good, Osama, how are you? Brilliant, yeah, good, thank you. I will start in a, in a minute. Thank you. Okay. Welcome to Untold Stories Podcast. I'm your host, Osama Gowish. The family of the Kelda Al Jazeera journalist Shireen Abu Akla has allowed her death to be added to a legal complaint being taken to the International Criminal Court, arguing that Israeli security forces have been systematically targeting Palestinian journalists in violation of international humanitarian law. The case, originally submitted in April by Bindmans, had focused on four Palestinian journalists wearing press helmets and vests, two of whom were maimed and two shot dead. It also covers alleged attacks on Gaza media infrastructure in May 2021. Lawyers from Bindman's and Doughty Street Chambers announced the addition of the death on 11th May of Shireen Abu Akla to the existing claim at a press conference in London last Friday. To know more about this complaint and how the reaction of the International Criminal Court is, let me welcome my guest speaker in this episode, Tatiana Etwell. She is a specialist in public international law and international human rights law. Tatiana has expertise in public international law and international criminal law, as well as the international human rights law. She advises states, individuals, international and non-governmental organizations on a wide range of public international law and international human rights law issues. Her cases include matters concerning arbitrary detention, extrajudicial killing, war crimes and terrorism, sanctions, self-determination and state responsibility. Tatiana has acted in a high-profile criminal appeals before the UK Supreme Court that concern the interpretation of international law on, for example, war crimes, terrorism and torture, and the application of international law in domestic proceedings. She was awarded her PhD in public international law from the University of Cambridge in February 2020. Tatiana, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you. Hello, Osama. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, let me start with this complaint to the International Criminal uh, Court. What we know so far about? So, um, if I may take you back to the beginning um, yeah. and the original complaint that we submitted in um, April this year, and that follows from work that myself and my colleague uh, Jennifer Robinson have been doing with the Palestinian Journalist Syndicate and the International Federation of Journalists 
with respect to the um, targeting and harassment of journalists working in, pers- uh, in Palestine and principally Palestinian journalists. And that work we started in 2019 and it very much followed in the wake of um, the demonstrations um, in 2018 um, which I, I don't know if you recall, um, which were called very much um, the March of Great Return, and the high level of incidents of targeting of journalists covering, covering those demonstrations. Um, um, those That targeting and those incidents were investigated um, by the UN Commission of Inquiry um, that found that there were reasonable grounds Um, to believe that the journalists were targeted in violation of international law by members of the Israeli security forces. And two of those journalists um, are uh, Ahmed Abu um, Hussein and Yasser Mataja, who were killed um, whilst covering those demonstrations. Um, And with respect to them and two other journalists, Muath Amane, and Nedal Eshtaye, who were shot um, in 2019 and 2015, respectively, and maimed. Both of them were shot in the head and um, seriously in serious injuries to their eyes. Um, we submitted claims, uh, complaints to the UN Special Rapporteurs, um, principally on the basis of violations of the rights to freedom of expression and also violations of the right to life, to keep these incidents in the minds of the United Nations um, and of states and governments, and to call upon um, the United Nations to urge the Israeli government um, authorities and investigating authorities to investigate these matters and provide um, reparation accountability um, to the victims and their families. And then this work, so to get to the ICC complaint, this work preceded the ICC complaint that we um, put together, together with our colleagues um, at Bynman's, um, Tayyab Ali at Bynman's and the International Centre for Justice for Palestinians, after the International Criminal Court found that it had jurisdiction over war crimes and crimes against humanity committed in the territory of Palestine since 2014. And it was on that basis that we submitted the complaint in April 2021 with respect to the targeting of these four named journalists who, on looking at the evidence, which um, is open source material um, and the findings of the UN Commission of the Inquiry, as well as witness statements, um, eyewitness statements, Um, we found that there were reasonable grounds to believe that war crimes um, had been committed. Yeah, and I, I will come we to the evidence. I'm, the I'm sorry, of... Tatiana. Yeah, I, I will come to no, the no, evidence no. shortly. But, mm. you know, as a journalist, I've been following what is going on in Palestine, in Gaza, uh, by the Israeli security forces for many years now. But why now? What was the turning point for you in Doughty Street Chambers in all these organizations to say enough is enough, we will take this to the to the ICC. Well, really, I mean, the, 
we started working on this. We were instructed by the trade unions. So the case very much came to us in 2019. And it was for them, it was very important that these issues were addressed um, at an international level because it had been, they found that the uh, journalists have been targeted and harassed for a long time. And there are incidents that cause horror and um, and people are so hor- horrified by them happening and upset by them happening. The UN Commission of Inquiry makes a report and then nothing happens after it. And so it's very much a campaign to pursue, to keep these cases alive and in the minds of people. But really the instigation for submitting a complaint to the ICC was the court itself finding in February 2021 that it had jurisdiction over war crimes and crimes against humanity in the territory of Palestine. And that opened up the way, opened up the door for us to submit a complaint to the prosecutor under Article 15 of the Rome Statute to urge the prosecutor to take up these, the investigation of this case, these cases um, on the grounds that there is a continuing uh, issue independent and impartial investigation of these targetings. There has been no inca- accountability and the failure to properly investigate these uh, matters by the Israeli authorities, the lack of accountability means that the that there is a possibility of on, of the, these targeting continuing. And this is exactly what we saw in May with the um, shooting of Shireen Abu Akleh. It's another incident of a journalist clearly marked with a press vest being shot um, in the territory of Palestine in, a, in circumstances where it seems, it appears, there are reasonable grounds, I would say, on the information available to conclude that those shots came from a member of the Israeli security forces. And so it's really important, we say, that the ICC prosecutor engages in these cases because really it is as a measure of last resort because really the primary responsibility to investigate these cases is with the domestic authorities, investigating authorities, but they have consistently failed to properly investigate these um, cases or to, to provide any form of accountability whatsoever or any form of redress to the victims and their families. So it's on that basis that we have urged the prosecutor to exercise his discretion to investigate. Yeah, but the Israeli uh, officials said from the day one of killing Shireen Abu Akhla that they offered Palestinian officials a joint uh, investigation, but the Palestinian officials, they declined and they said, no, this is ridiculous and we will not uh, join this investigation with Israeli forces. From your perspective, how do you see this? Well, um, in my view, what this shows is that it, it is not possible to have an independent and impartial investigation into these events. We have two government authorities. Each says that um, it is investigating. They are in. They are not willing or able to cooperate with each other. Um, for, I imagine, a number of reasons, but primarily the politics of the situation. And one would, from the outside, from the point of view of the victims and their families, what they, what they have a right to an independent and impartial investigation. 
the authorities have an obligation under international law to conduct that. And we are in circumstances where they are either unwilling or unable to do that. And so that is the reason for the ICC to engage in this. Um, it would be wonderful if the authorities could engage and would be willing to cooperate. But it just this is an intractable situation where it's I find it I think it's highly unlikely. Um, and therefore, that's why we are looking to, as a measure of last resort, to what is the only authority with jurisdiction over this now that could conduct an independent and impartial investigation, and that is the International Criminal Court. Yeah, and on the, the February the 5th, 2021, the International Criminal Court ruled that its criminal jurisdiction extends to the situation in Palestine. Uh, was this um, a surprise for you as a lawyer, as an international uh, um, law expert, or, or not? No. Um, there were clearly arguments on both sides that were heard by the pre-trial chamber. And um, there are lawyers, politicians, other individuals who, who hold strong views. Um, but no, it didn't... It, I didn't find it surprising, no. And I, I think the pre-trial chamber um, looked objectively at the legal arguments and found um, found on a reasonable legal basis that it has jurisdiction. Um, so no, it didn't come as a surprise at all. And in, in a way, the situation in Palestine and the investigation in Palestine and, and the court finding jurisdiction over that territory is no more surprising than the court finding jurisdiction over the territory of Ukraine um, in circumstances where Russia is not a party to the Rome Statutes and on the basis of U Ukraine um, submitting a declaration accepting a jurisdiction. I mean, the pre-trial chamber's deliberations were, it avoided declaring, it avoided looking at whether or not Palestine is in fact a state under international law yeah. Um, and that is obviously a very controversial issue, again, one which people hold very strong views on um, and probably not one we want to go into yeah. today. But no, I didn't find it surprising. Okay, and how, um, how did... And yeah. as I said... I'm sorry, mm, go ahead. No, carry on. Yeah. No, no, carry on. Okay, uh, how did the killing of Shirin Abu Akhlabai, this um, horrible way shooting in the, in, in the head as would the world have, have seen on TVs, how this killing supports your claim to the ICC? Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's a deeply tragic event and I, I think it's an important, it's, we've been instructed by the family, the family have asked us to join um, her killing to the complaint as, as, as yet another example um, of the targeting of a journalist work, working and covering what sort of we call it working on the front line, so covering events. Um, Shireen Abu Akhle was clearly a very, she's very well-renowned um, journalist and very well-respected and a global figure and a global name. And her killing has really thrown into sharp relief the situation of um, journalists working in Palestine. Her killing is not a one-off. It's it's 
it's deeply tragic, but it's not it's not a one off, and it's a latest example in the targeting of journalists um, by it appears to be by members of the Israeli security forces, and so joining her to the complaint, it's 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 reinforces the complaint in many ways, and it's underlining again to the prosecutor how serious this issue is and how really important it is for the prosecutor to exercise his discretion to investigate these cases. Okay, and um, back to the evidence you mentioned earlier in this episode. What are the evidence you have about these four journalists and in addition of the events of killing Shirina Bakr? Well, I mean, so the the evidence really that we rely without any sort of proper criminal or forensic inv- investigation um, we are we rely on open source material and and the inquiries conducted by human rights organizations and and witness statements and that's what we have and and really it sort of highlights that in this kind of work we rely heavily on the work of journalists themselves um, again putting themselves sometimes at great risk to investigate these matters um, on some level and to provide um to conduct the inquiries themselves that lead to materials that really do uncover human rights abuses and war crimes. And in these situations, we rely on the work of journalists. We rely on the work of the witness statements. And I should add that we also, you know, the complaint isn't also on behalf of persons who have been killed, but also persons who have been seriously injured. They are also victims and, and um, uh, victims of unlawful targeting including um, Ali Samoudi, who was shot in the shoulder when um, who was together with Shireen Abu Akleh. So it really is pulling together all the material available out there that may be available to us. Um, and to analyse that um, sort of objectively um, in order to make the case that there are reasonable grounds to suspect that war crimes um, or crimes against humanity are being committed. I mean, that is no substitute for a proper forensic investigation. Um, and that's why it's sort of handing over this material and it's for the prosecutor then to conduct a separate investigation, um, relying on that material should he see fit, but also do, conducting his own um, investigation, pursuing his own lines of inquiry. Okay, so it's a complaint about five journalists now, in addition with, with Shireen, yeah? So it's the four and it is four named journalists, um, and plus Shireen Abu Akli and Ali Samoudi. Yeah. Um, and then it's also it looks at the targeting of the media towers in May two thousand and twenty one, and also that the targeting of those towers, the Al Jala um, tower, um, are included in the complaint um, because it, to, you know in situations of armed conflict. Um, the targeting of civilian objects, which those towers were. I mean, they were housing media organisations as well as civilian residences, um, are war crimes. Um, and so th- those also form part of the complaint. Yeah, and some media outlets, international media outlets, such as CNN and Mid- Middle East Eye, in the United Kingdom, they publish their own investigation about the killing of Shireen Abu Akla. Uh, as a legal team, 
do this investigation, journalistic work and investigation uh, help in, in, in your complaint or, or not? ICC doesn't accept such an investigation from media outlets. I'm so sorry. I <laughs> There's a problem of live interviews. You cut out briefly. Do you mind repeating that yeah, um, sure, question? Sorry. Okay. No. Um, CNN and Middle East Eye, they both publish the own, their own investigation about the killing of Shireen Abu Akla. So as a legal mm. team, um, um, do you expect or accept this journalistic work as an evidence to the ICC or not? So, well, I mean, it's, it's up to the ICC to decide what it will accept as evidence or not. Um, that's very much within the realm of the prosecutor, office of the prosecutor. Um, and it would be good practice to look at all lines of inquiry and to look at these journalist investigations and the raw material and look at how they drew their conclusions. Um, so the investigations are, um, I would say, are helpful. Um, they provide, um, you know, they are a source of um, evidence, but it will be appropriate to look at the raw material that makes up those reports and look at how they came to their conclusions. And then it really is a matter for the Office of the Prosecutor as to whether or not they consider that to be um, admit evidence that's admissible um, for the purposes of criminal proceedings. Yeah. And last Friday, you um, organized a press um, conference in, in, in London, in Doughty Street Chambers. Um, how did you see the media coverage of this press conference? Um, well, I thought there was quite, um, it was quite good media coverage of it. Um, I, um, I think there was... Um, Al Jazeera was um, there and they were covering it live and um, pre uh, there was European press as well as press in the Middle East that were that picked up on it. Um, but I think one of the, I mean, well, I think what's important is that this issue is not forgotten, that Shireen Abu Akhleh's killing is not another um, story in the news cycle that is then um, forgotten about. And that's part of our or not forgotten, or just sort of falls by the wayside when other news comes up. Um, and that's part of what our work is. Um, it's keeping these cases um, in the minds of governments, of, of the press, um, of the decision makers, of the ICC prosecutor, to ensure that these cases are not forgotten and to keep on pushing for accountability um, for investigation, for inquiry, and where appropriate for prosecutions of those responsible. Okay, and now you submit your complaint and you added Shireen Abu Akhla's case to the complaint. So what is the time frame you expect from the ICC? Well, um, we, will, uh, we will be submitting an updated complaint um, over the coming weeks that adds Shireen Abu Akhla and Ali Samudi's um, cases to that complaint. And after that, um, it is in the hands of the prosecutor um, to uh, consider whether or not to exercise his discretion to investigate. And there's no procedural um, time limit on that exercise of discretion. Um, and one would hope that that decision would be made expediently or expeditiously, um, but it, it would be 
Um, and so one would hope that it would be within um, a matter of um, a few months. However, there is no time limit on it. So part of our work is also to continue to press the, the uh, prosecutor to consider the cases. Um, he has, we know, um, a lot of work and there are many situations that are um, the subject of the court's um, preliminary investigation and investigation. And obviously the Ukraine, the war in Ukraine is very much on people's minds, but it's important that other situations are not forgotten. Um, so really we may, it may not be um, next year that uh, the prosecutor announces a decision and one might think that trials, uh, one always hopes that trials are not too far off in the future if there will be a trial. But we keep on plugging away and we keep on pushing and applying a pressure um, to ensure that these cases continue to be a priority. During the press conference last Friday, I met with a, a journalist. He's working in an Arabic TV and he asked me, uh, do you think this press conference and this complaint to the ICC uh, will hold Israel accountability on what's going on in Palestine? And I, I think, um, Tatiana, this is an important question in the Middle East. Many Arabic people, many Muslims, they think that the international community, there is no intention, there is no real intention to condemn Israel to take an action against Israel. So what do you think? If the ICC have this good intention to go further and to investigate this issue or not? Well, the court has found that has it has jurisdiction um, over the situation in Palestine. And therefore, we must have faith that the court acts in good faith and it follows um, its course that it investigates the situations on its docket um, properly and independently and impartially. And of course, you know, the court, the court's jurisdiction over, is over um, any and all war crimes um, and crimes committed uh, against humanity committed in that territory. So all parties to the conflict and those parties include Israel. So, Having accepted jurisdiction over the situation, one expects the court to follow up on that. And that is why the International Criminal Court is so important, because clearly states have their own interests. And this is a body independent, uh, supposedly independent of states' interests. And it's with um, that fierce independence that the prosecutor must pursue um, his investigations um, into um, all allegations of war crimes and crimes against humanity that fall within the court's jurisdiction um, when um, he is, I would say, requested to do so as, as far as his resources will allow. And the, the Israeli narrative in, in such cases, they they say, okay, uh, we, we are in a self-defense case. So we, 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 we are not killing innocent people, we are not targeting journalists, but we are in a self-defense uh, case. And in, in, in the event of Shireen Abu Akla, there were some militants in, in the area and our soldiers were defending themselves. So how, how do you see the, the legal grounds of this narrative? Well, I mean, this is just those show that needs a proper investigation. 
Um, as with most um, criminal investigations, there may be two um, accounts, two different accounts, and it's up to the investigator to um, follow all lines of inquiry and to follow the evidence objectively and to reach a conclusion. Um, the What we have seen in the media is that, um, so the media reports and the investigations that have been conducted have concluded that there were no militants firing from the direction in which Shireen Abu-Akleh was. And there have been mixed messages from the Israeli authorities. And right from the get-go, there there was information put out by the Israeli authorities that appeared to be um, an attempt at uh, misinformation and all that all that I can say on that is that it doesn't instill any faith in me if an authority is so quick to put out an account like that on Twitter or on social media it doesn't put faith in me that they are prepared to conduct a um, independent and impartial investigation as they're required to under international law yeah um, just, yeah sorry go ahead no so you know whatever the accounts are out i mean that, that's the thing you, you it's, it's likely there will be opposing counts but it is in everyone's interest for this to be investigated properly yeah and and then such a complaint in front of the icc uh tatiana is it a long-term procedure or a short term do we expect a decision within months or within years within weeks Yes, well, I mean, as I was saying before, there's no real, um, there's no time frame set by the court's procedure as to when there may or may not be a decision. And it will very much go, um, in my view, it will be based on the priorities of the prosecutor, um, resources available, and whether whether he chooses to exercise his his discretion to investigate these cases. I mean, the court is a court of last resort and operates on a principle of complementarity, which means that it looks to the domestic jurisdictions as having primary responsibility for investigating these cases. So I imagine the the first step for the prosecutor would be to determine whether or not it is possible, whether the domestic authorities are willing and able to conduct an investigation. I would say that there's a strong case to say that they are not for whatever reason, um, whether it's uh, unwillingness to cooperate or inability to investigate properly because of a lack of cooperation um, or an unwillingness really based on the evidence that we've seen in past cases of a lack of investigation, a real unwillingness to investigate one's own um, security forces for acts um, that are contrary to international law and may constitute war crimes. So, I mean, it is a long process and it will be a long road. Um, But I think that that's not, there's certainly no reason to give up. And it's a reason to keep pushing and to keep working on these cases. Um, Not only, you know, not only these cases in Palestine, but with these cases of the targeting of journalists more generally that we see as an issue, a global issue, and reminding governments of their obligations um, and keeping these stories alive and these names alive and through their cases, hopefully one day 
um, securing some form of redress and reparation for the victims and their families. And will this will be a close complaint, just these six people, these six journalists, or you're open the door to any witness to any other evidence from inside Palestine and Gaza Strip? Well, we rarely much so, I mean, as as, as barristers and lawyers, um, we very much operate on, who, it depends who instructs us. So we're working together with the um, journalist unions, the Palestinian Journalist um, Syndicate, and the International Federation of Journalists. And we chose the original four because they were emblematic of an issue that we saw, the systematic targeting of journalists working in Palestine. Um, I would certainly hope that we don't come to a point where we're adding more names um, to a complaint of people being targeted recently, um, because that would not be something that I would um, particularly welcome or be happy about, because it means that the issue is still continuing, the problem is still continuing. Um, but as we go down the road, it very much depends on um, the course that um, this complaint takes and whether we hope that we can cooperate and co collaborate with the Office of the Prosecutor and assist them in any way we possibly can um, with their investigation, um, should they choose to to investigate. Yeah, and my final question, Tatiana, is about Israeli forces. Do you think, do you expect they will continue targeting journalists or they may stop until the ICC gave the decision? What are your expectations about this point? Well, um, look, the law is clear, and I expect Israeli law is clear, that the targeting... Um, of journalists, the unlawful, the use of lethal force against civilians, not participating in um, armed conflict, and again, and journalists are civilians, is unlawful and is a war crime when done intentionally. And one would hope that having the attention of the world, the eyes of the world on Israel, would uh, impress upon the authorities of the need to. Um, properly think about their rules of engagement and to properly um, inquire into and follow up on complaints where people have been unlawfully targeted. It is, the law is very clear. Um, the problem is the practice. And what we are seeing is a practice where civilians are being targeted. There's use of lethal force against civilians and there is a total lack of accountability for it. And in that culture of impunity, then one can only expect it to happen again. I sincerely hope it doesn't. Um, but um, forgive me for sounding pessimistic. Um, I think the practice to debate to date um, has shown that there is a culture of impunity there and an unwillingness to hold people accountable um, when civilians are targeted um, unlawfully. Yeah. I think you concluded everything in this episode and the situation in Palestine. The law is very clear. The problem is the practice. Thank you very much, Tatiana, for joining me today. Thank you. And thank you all for joining us today and see you all next week in another episode of Until the Stories podcast. Bye. <laughs>